2: and help you make a plan to get it. Let's get started. Today, we're talking about imagination. And really, whether you're aware of it or not, who doesn't use your imagination? And I I was, um, when I was prepping for this, I'm like, no, I don't want it to be the serious conversation about how we've all been more creative lately, because we've had to, although we may get there. But sometimes imagination is just kind of fun. It's how we explore and discover things. And so that is what we're talking about today. And I've got such a great panel for you. Uh, we have David Chen. So David and I are part of Jeff Holver's Tuesday Night hash based International Networking. And imagination came up a few weeks ago. And I said, ooh, David is co-founder of Angel Best. We also have Brandy June, who is one of the last people I saw in real life because she moderated a panel I was on at the West Coast Writers Conference back in March, February slash March, 2020, like I have to say the year. And Brandy's book Goldspun is, I mean, every time I, I see her in my feed, I'm like, wow, this is so cool, so creative. I have to have her on this topic. And then Tom Moser, who I've even met in real life as well. Tom was a member of my Write On online community, and way back before we ceased the live Write On meetings for the obvious reasons, we were able to meet in real life. And Tom is a storyboard artist and writer, so we've got a very interesting cross section, the way I like it, of people to talk today about imagination. And uh, first of all other than me saying you all are awesome and I'm thrilled we're talking about this, I didn't really say too much about you. So why don't you take a moment to introduce yourself and we're going to start with David. David, welcome.
3: Thank you, Deb. Um, Yeah, this will be a fun panel. Um, For me, I've been uh, an angel investor for over a decade. Started out in Shanghai, China, where I lived for over 12 years and uh, Seeing literally thousands of business plans, and met thousands of founding teams uh, with you know some crazy ideas, some less crazy ideas, and I was always interested in learning about people's stories, their narratives, so to speak, their journey. And what really caught my attention usually is um, you know what really caused them to launch their ventures. What was their uh, imagination? What were they thinking?
2: Problem.
3: What? Where are they? Doing? Yeah. What? Uh, who do they want to serve? Right. And then when I came back to twenty uh, the United States in twenty eighteen, the goal was to go back and forth between the East Coast and, and Shanghai, but uh, COVID uh, caused problems thereof, of course. Uh, but uh, I am looking into something now that really um, will focus on helping people recognize their own imagination and their power the power of their imagination. Uh, through inner work, through meditation, through technology as a tool, through um, real estate, having a place where people can come and to do the meditation and other exercises, whether it's qigong or other things that we would offer, but also really to focus on themselves. What is it that they really want to do based on their their childhood desires and dreams and, and you know, maybe let them manifest that through through play, through an environment that encourages play passion and giving them the tools to execute that uh, in a way that can launch a startup. So that's what we're doing these days.
2: Wonderful. Well, and I'm thrilled you're here. And you know that I'm all about, you know, you have to, I mean, the first step in D, determine your mission is visualization. You need to see the life you want and create it. And you're right. It starts with that good old imagination. So that it's wonderful to have you here. And Brandy, Your turn. Will you please introduce yourself?
1: Sure. My name is Brandy June. I've, you know, always enjoyed playing pretend. When I was younger, I wanted to be an actor. I did a lot of theater Uh, when I was younger. I came out here to California, to Los Angeles, and got my bachelor's in theater from UCLA and did that for several years and was realizing it wasn't quite wasn't quite paying the bills. So I went back to UCLA and I got my MBA in entertainment marketing. And during the day, I am a marketing director for kids' films, animation, a lot of anime. And as enjoyable as that was, I wanted something that was also creative that I really enjoy in my marketing role, being able to share stories. But I also wanted to create my own story. So I got back into writing and really... You know really enjoyed being able to tell the story. so I do you know various I've written several uh, several novels. Goldspun's the first one that's been published, uh, several plays, and just really you know enjoy creating another experience for for a reader or you know a theater goer.
2: Well, I I feel like experience is kind of like the buzzword. Why do we use our imagination to create experiences to draw people into worlds that exist in our minds, and then eventually on the pages or within animation? Transition, transition, Tom, <laughs> closer. Welcome.
0: Thank you. Um, yeah, so I'm a yeah I'm a storyboard artist. So uh, I draw essentially design the shots that you see in uh, TV shows. Uh, so I currently work on the show Duncanville, which is on Fox. And prior to that, I worked on a show called Big Mouth that is on Netflix. And um, yeah, that's that's it. So we get it, you know, you get the script pages and you have a blank canvas on which to create uh, the scenes that you see in the show. And that is, that's my job.
2: And so... So, how does someone go this path of storyboard artist? Is this well, like I, something that you dream about when you're a kid?
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, the way I got into animation actually is—you know—I've I've basically have drawn my whole life, and um, you know, drawing cartoons, comic strips. Um, I was into movies, so I've also done you know some live action work. Um, worked in visual effects and animation. What's great about it is that it combines all of the things that I love. So it combines storytelling and writing. It combines character design and animation, editing, uh, cinematography. All of those things, you know, are the things that I get to do uh, every day designing shots. So, you know, it's it's really a perfect job for me.
2: I love how you said, I get to. (laughs) Yeah. Because isn't that really what what we all should be thinking about is for work, is I get to do this. I get to create. I get to look into my soul and the things that I really enjoy and be able to put them out there for the world. So let's start with really the most basic question that probably doesn't need answering, but I'm going to ask it anyway. What is imagination? I know. Very basic. And let's, let's go beyond it. Not only what is imagination, but what is its value and Brandy, why don't you start us off on this one? So I, I
1: view imagination as really anything beyond your actual reality. And I think it's really important to utilize the imagination because you can imagine the way that things, you know, that they can be. And you can imagine just a, a world that, you know, it's maybe a better place, or especially if you are a <laughs> fiction writer and looking to create an exciting experience for a reader, you know, you can imagine a more exciting, you know, world or story. So that that's really kind of where imagination is for me. It's a lot of the, you know, a lot of the playing around with the ideas of what if.
2: Well, we do like to explore... It's fun. We ha- we had a uh, Kathy uh, who was on a couple weeks ago. She's all about the improv. So everything with her is yes. And so I kind of feel like this is like a co- the what if is the cousin to yes. And Um. so Tom imagination.
0: I, yeah, I, I agree with Brandy's definition. It's, it's anything that you can think of that is not reality. You know, it's, um, uh, you know, whenever you, whenever I, it's, it's interesting to me because as a writer and brandy, you're a fiction writer, what you write, you know, is what you see in your head, the story that you see, but the person that reads it <laughs> sees something else, you know, they picture that movie in their head and it's something you never imagined. Um, you know, and that's, it. that's just part of the fun. You know, I have a, I have a 10 year old and I watch her just, She'll just pace up and, you know, back and forth and back and forth in her room. And I'm like, what are you doing? She's like, I'm telling myself stories. And so she just comes up with all of these scenarios on her own. And then she'll sit down and pick out one or two to share with us. And it's like, wow, I could have, you know, never thought of anything like that. Like, yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's part of what makes us human.
2: I like that. And David, what is your take?
3: Yeah, I agree with both uh, Brandy and Tom, although I I think it's more than just about what you can think of. I think it's also about what you can dream of. And I think we all always tend to think in the context um, or paradigm of what has been presented to us or what we've been taught in school and um, what is out there. But I think if you can imagine or you can think about or dream about um, possibilities that that we haven't even encountered, then that is, I think, um, going inside yourself to figure out, well, what is it that your heart truly desires? And in the context of Hollywood, um, you know, you look look back at the Star Trek series back from the 1960s, and when Gene Roddenberry um, launched that show, people thought he was out of his mind. You know, it's like, you know, people in space, spaceships with technology and the holodeck. And, uh, you know, it wasn't quite, Quite real. It was based on imagination, but look at where we are today, fifty years later. A lot of the stuffs become real, right? In the technology, look at uh, a lot of uh, you know the themes that Star Trek were about uh, politics uh, and through the lens of Hollywood um, or uh, racial issues. And look at uh, where that's come today. We've evolved from fifty years ago, or even in the realm of product development. I used to be a product developer for for Honda Motor, and my mentor was the innovator of the airbag product, right? So he had a dream um, that um, a bag could pop out of the steering wheel to save people's lives. And who would have thought about that? You know, What patterns did he learn in school to teach him that? There were none, right? So eventually he, he thought about that and he persisted and somehow he had the persistence to launch a small project to make it into a product. And now you know, airbags saves lives. And uh, my project was the navigation system. Also, back then it was paper maps. Well, why would somebody buy a paper map for $20 and use that to navigate versus your navigation device in your car? There was no market for it. So it is imagination that lets people think about products or content or things that are out there that ordinary people would not have thought about. So, you know, when, you know, for example, the iPhone and Steve Jobs said, I'm going to launch a phone without any buttons on it. People think, well, that's not going to sell. That's going to be a crazy thing. But look at what we have today with smartphones. You know, which phones actually have buttons anymore, right? So it's about thinking out of, the, you know, dreaming out of the um, the existing patterns that we've been taught and um, imagining what the possibilities may be to improve our lives, to improve our society. So that's what I think imagination is about.
2: <laughs> wow. Okay. I will go with all of the above. <clears throat> But it's true, We, we can, and I mentioned at, at the top of this, a lot of the disruption that's come over the last year and a half is people figuring out how they're going to navigate their lives, their jobs, whatever, working from home. Um, so what have you found that you've had to re-envision or realign in your own life Uh, personally, what have you used your imagination for for practical purposes lately? David, do you have a good example on this?
3: Um, Well, the example that comes to my my mind is my project, which is that um, courteous environment where we can jump from offline to online uh, just because COVID has uh, prevented travel over the last year globally, And we've gotten so used to doing these uh, video or Zoom calls, right? It's um, become second nature to all of us that are doing business. And it becomes so comfortable not to meet in person, whereas before we had to meet in person, shake people's hands and have a meal. But I think people can actually do business. We can do deals by by video. And that has become a new mode of behavior that we've gotten used to. So what I'm thinking about is how do we push that further? How do we... um, improve or um, in- elevate the interactivity amongst us? Because the commonality is that, you know, we're having this conversation about imagination, but we're in different parts of the world. We're having this video connection, we have voice connection, and yet we can have a conversation. So we're actually in the same space from a mindset perspective, even, even though not physically. Well, there's still limitations to, to, to Zoom or video. What if we could actually be in a virtual world or a metaverse? where it's your avatar that's we're interacting. And maybe it comes to a point where it's not the VR goggles, but rather a pair of glasses that is just as effective. And it's not as if we're actually um, having these video calls where you know people are in boxes, but rather next to each other. We can actually feel that you're next to me, right? Or next to each other to have this conversation. That pushes the envelope of interactivity, the UI, so to speak, amongst us. And the audience, hopefully, so that, um, you know, so that we can have that, um, you know, that level of of, um, of closeness, even though we're not physically close. So that's the idea that I'm working on uh, in, in respect to um, um, the awakening, you know, the great awakening that we're having globally in terms of meditation and um, understanding the universe. And I'm very intrigued by it. And uh, there's a lot more that we don't know because we're limited by our five senses and we're limited by our education. And education based on what we've been taught in school may have been flawed. So I think there are probably new things that we got to learn out there and that's relied so much on our senses, but rather on our imagination.
2: Got it, interesting. Um, what about you, Tom? I And we were talking before we went on that you had no transition. really, between work when you started working from home. So what, what experiences have you had over the last year where you've had to transition?
0: Well, um, I mean, honestly, it's just learning what Zoom was. (laughs) Like, that was kind of it. Like, we, they sent us home and we saw it coming. We knew it was going to happen, right? So um, we were kind of starting to get the conversation started about, well, when the, when we inevitably have to go home, like, what is that going to look like? How is all that going to work? And, and we all work at individual workstations anyway. We, it's, everything's digital anyway. Um, So it was really just a matter of taking our gear, setting it up at home, making sure that, you know, you have the, the bandwidth, you know, the internet bandwidth. That's a, that's a thing I think that, (coughs) you know, we, a lot of us take for granted, but that has become such a necessary tool for people. It's, you know, it really is not a luxury anymore um, to have a fat bandwidth that you can, you know, you can be able to communicate with people. Um, What I would love and just David brought it up because I'm a huge VR fan. I have three different headsets. um, And I, you know, and I think a lot of us have, you know, especially when I, you know, I do all my communication over Slack and Zoom. Um, have been wanting to add that presence to virtual meeting. You know, the 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 idea that recreating any way you can that physical presence, the the, the feeling that you are in the in the room with others, and um, so yeah, I would love to talk to david further about where where he thinks that all is going it's not there i think it's not from what i've experienced it's not really even close in a practical sense um because they're they're also trying to create virtual offices in which you're doing all of your work inside of a headset and and i i understand like glasses are going to alleviate a lot of that sort of armor that you almost feel like you have to put on, um, in order to, to get there. But yeah, that all, I find all of that very fascinating as a, as a next step down the road, um, you know, will anybody go into an office?
2: Well, I like, um, like you, like so many, um, uh, for me, I was, I've been working from home for years and my clients that are more traditional businesses, Are also the virtual. So I haven't had to physically go anywhere to work, other than um, my former office was the coffee shop on the corner. And (laughs) the first one of those meetings I canceled was like, Deb, are you sure? I mean, I'm good, and I'm like, no, we don't take chances. We've got a phone and we've got a computer for those those reasons. So for me, also, it was seamless. But that element of that extra connection, if that could be made through VR or the simpler, the simpler tools, that would be very, very cool. Brandy, have you had to be extra creative slash use your imagination in adaptation over the last year or has it been seamless for you as well?
1: I I wouldn't call it seamless. Our, our office um, where I do, marketing did a great job of transitioning us to working from home. I'd say for myself, I really had to lean into a lot of my creative projects and my writing and use my imagination there to really expand, um, expand my world during the last year and a half where I feel the in-person aspects of my world and many people's just really constricted, you know, it couldn't go To the places that I wanted to go. I couldn't see the people I wanted to see, at least not in person. And all of that was very stressful and, you know, created a a great sense of loneliness and a lot of loss that I think a lot of us are dealing with. And being able to have these escapes um, from, you know, escaping mentally from my apartment to go into, you know, if it was an art project I could get lost in or, you know, the story I was writing or something I was reading that could just take me somewhere else for that time was kind of a really important way to, to balance, you know, the, the constricted feeling I felt, you know, doing so much um, as far as stay at home, you know, a lot of, the things that we're opening up now—it's a little more on the fence with the Delta variant. So even still, it's a little—you know—it's not as intense as it was before, but it's still more intense than, you know, we'd like for it for two years than we'd like it to be. So you know, having those those outlets have been extremely important for my mental health as well.
2: And that's so true, and I've made the August theme fun because we haven't had nearly enough of it, especially over the last 16, 17, 18 months. So when you you're going into creative mode, do you have a process? Um, Do you have like an on switch for your imagination? How does that work for you? Uh, We'll start with you, Brandy. Uh, It really
1: depends what it depends what creative um, or imaginative project I'm doing and how much time I have. If I have, 20 minutes to work on my novel during my lunch break for example usually it's just okay just write as much of the scene you're working on as you can and we'll fix it later if I say have you know half a day on a weekend to be working on on writing or if I'm developing new scenes then a lot of times I will do things that help with the sensory experiences so putting on you know, ambient noise or sounds or, you know, music that would be roughly in the area that I'm writing. Um, Something I learned from another author is if they are, they will often light a candle that may smell similar to what they're writing uh, in the way of like, it's Los Angeles and it is hot most of the time here. So if I'm writing a scene where it's cold and snowy in the forest uh, having having a pine scented candle or something at least kind of makes me feel similar to what that would be, even though you know where I actually am is very different.
2: That's interesting. I, I and I like the the fact of the senses because if you need to like tap into anything, you could just choose one <laughs> and let your mind go down that road, right? It's-
1: yeah, and it, it's really helped my, uh, my writing as well, because I found that the more I think about the different senses, the richer, the stories, the richer the scenes I can create that you're not just describing what you see, but also, you know, what, does what the food taste like? What is, you know, what does everything smell like? What does it feel like? And it gives it a more experiential, um, an experiential read.
2: Definitely. And I like, I think it was Tom who was saying this before, it's something comes out of the creator's head and then the person who's reading or watching will also be able to to have their own take. It's almost like when, back when we used to only use phones and you would talk to someone and you think you would know what they look like and then you see them on a Zoom and it's like You're not the same. Oh, and then they talk. Okay, it's the same person. So just a a minor, a little microcosm of that is just the way that we perceive people versus reality. And what is that leap from one to the other? So Tom, what is your creative slash imagination process?
0: Uh, I mean, it never really turns off like I, you know, I think probably a lot of creative people are like that, where it's just like, oh, I wish I had an off switch. Like, I wish that I could just, you know, like, but I always have to be And the shower is the worst because that's where you come up with the ideas that you can't do anything about. Um, And then I immediately forget them. But yeah, so I like, you know, I, I also write and it's just a thing that you just have to like, oh, you know, I've got this thing that's sort of eating away at my brain. I've got to put that down. I've got an image or, you know, a drawing that I want to do. And that like I just make notes like I'm just my brain is filled with post-it notes of things that I'm going to get to, you know, of like little projects, whether it's a novel or a short story or, a, you know, a cartoon that I'm going to draw. And, you know, and it just, yeah, like it, it just fills fills the brain. So I, for me, it's a matter of whittling most of that down. Um, you know, my process, like for my job, like I get a blank, I get a script page and it could literally be anything. You know, that first shot could be anything. And so, you know, I mean, they're telling you like the setting and the characters, but where's the camera gonna be? You know, what are, when are you gonna cut? Like what are the, what are the characters doing? So you, ha- you also have to be an actor. You have to be, you know, everything to that scene. And it's, you know, yeah, it, it can be a little overwhelming sometimes, but that's, you know, that's the fun part too.
2: Again, there's that all important F word, fun.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, so David, what about you? What, what sort of, and I know technology is creative, right? what, is your process for getting into that creative imagination mode?
3: Um, Previously, it was a lot of um, iterative thinking. So I tend to be very left brain oriented. I'm trying to shift that to right brain. But historically, a lot of um, kind of going through iterations of various scenarios and uh, analysis and running the numbers. And then in the recent years, it's really about kind of feeling into it which is counterintuitive to how I typically would think. But one thing that I found to be extremely helpful over the past year, given um, COVID, but also the numerous interactions that we've had because of Zoom, is that I think creativity um, and imagination become much more powerful when it's done in a group. group of people that are um, not exactly like-minded, but... Um, within the same kind of range of resonance or frequencies. And then if you can get along and the conversation just you know builds upon itself. What I've noticed is that if you get a bunch of people in the room that are kind of experienced in what they do, then it's beyond just discussing ideas, but really it is creating new ideas. Because um, new ideas always come out of that conversation. Just for example, now we've got, you know, Deb, we got Tom, we got Brandon, we got myself. If we're to place any one of us with somebody else, the conversation would be different, right? Be slightly different or or much different. I'm not sure how, but it's because of that energetic resonance that we have amongst each other that that would change the outcome of conversation and perhaps different ideas or content would come out of that. So that's what I've observed over the past year by, by working with my team and and people that are you know close to my project is that um, we get ourselves in a, in a Zoom call like this and having magical ideas come out of that after 30 minutes of conversation sometimes.
2: It's absolutely true. And this is, so my live show has evolved. It was a project of COVID because I've been leading the Twitter chat for many years and my publisher Mango said, do you wanna do a live show version? And it was in my head for years, of course, yes. Put me in front of the camera, yes, please. And then after, oh, maybe eight months of doing this at the end of last year, I tested out doing the group conversations. And even the beginning of the year, they were the exception rather than the rule. And now the panel conversations are my show because of that very reason. You get different people together, different perspectives, different ranges of experience, And you make those, you connect those dots and you never know what's going to come from it. And, you know, could I have guessed we talk about VR? Maybe. Um, Could I have guessed that Tom is all like, David, we need to chat? Probably. (laughs) Because this is what happens. You don't know where the lines and the threads go until you put people together and see where it goes. So what about those people who have trouble tapping into their imagination? We know what works for all of you. Do you have recommendations for people who are having trouble getting out of their head? Because I think that's the challenge, right? What stops people from being, I guess I should have asked this. What stops people from being imaginative? And what can you do to help them out of it? David?
3: Um. I think when people are caught in a rut or stuck, whatever you want to call it, I think it's based on, um, on thinking about the past, thinking about patterns that typically work and it doesn't work. They just kind of keep going at it harder. And that, I don't think that's the way to to go about it because imagination is is always about um, thinking outside the box, trying something new or discovering something new that you haven't tried before. And, um, one thing that um, um, I've tried uh, that works for me is, is, uh, is being uh, more still, being more meditative by, through meditation, actually. And uh, uh, I find that some things come to me afterwards, maybe not during the meditation itself, but because if you stick with it and are consistent with it, then kind of new ideas kind of crop in, into, your, into your orbit. Um, so it is about um, breaking old paradigms, breaking old patterns, and uh, opening yourself to possibilities versus a prescribed notion of how process um, should work to get to an outcome.
2: So is by my asking what people can do to be more imaginative, is that a counterintuitive question to say, oh, because you can't just say, do this, right? But you can, I, I like what you said about people get stuck because if you're not moving forward, it's not moving backwards, it's standing still, but it's looking in the rearview mirror, right? So meditation, break your patterns, do what you need to do to kind of get out of your own way.
3: Correct. Get out of your own way. And also um, um, look back at your own life. I mean, you know, if regardless of what age you are and Look back at moments in your life where things have worked and you were in flow, where you were less stuck, or things that really made you ecstatic, super happy, right, in that, that particular moment or moment in time, you know, whether it's at that particular year or that particular day. And um, I always tend to look back and say, well, what worked then? What were the pieces at play that allowed me to feel that way? And if I felt that way, then I guess um, – it's part of my journey to be on that path right and then you know if you come across an obstacle if you're stuck that's part of the path too and you're supposed to learn something from that that's what it, you've been told and if you can learn from that then there's always um a way out and it's only a moment in time it'll pass right
2: stuck is only a moment in time it'll pass i like that too because it's really sometimes you know writer's block i i frequently tell people To always have, what's the Hollywood line? Multiple projects at various stages of development. It's always good to have several creative projects because if you do get stuck on one, you can jump over and move the other forward. And that might also unjar something from your brain. So Brandy, what do you think keeps people from being innovative, imaginative, creative, and what can they do to break through those boundaries?
1: So I'd I'd say my advice is, a lot of it's focused towards writers, but hopefully it's more useful universally. But what I find is a lot of times writers, especially um, writers earlier in their career, get stuck trying to make sure everything they write is perfect. And they end up continually revising and revising the same small section and don't get to the entire piece or don't get to see, you know, really what happens next. What is the big pieces of the story? Because they are so worried that, you know, what they're doing is messy and not perfect. And so in my case, giving myself permission to write a super messy first draft that I don't have to show to anyone But I just have to get the words out there. Um, NaNoWriMo, which is National Novel Writing Month in November, which challenges people to write 50,000 words of a first draft in the month of November, is a great way to force yourself to put that internal critic aside because you just don't have time for it. And you just have to get the story out. And I think allowing yourself to get out something that's not perfect something that's messy is a great way to really spark you know just focusing on the story instead of worrying of like oh is the nuances right because you can go back and edit later so I found that that's a great way to spark it you know looking at different kind of writing prompts that might have you thinking about a story in a from a different angle might also help to spark an idea.
2: I'm so glad you mentioned NaNoWriMo um, because I it was many years ago that when I first discovered it, I was like life-changing because for the same reason you mentioned it, people get so stuck. They have dozens of first drafts, uh, sorry, dozens of first chapters of the book that's never going to get finished. They're perfect, but they're all sitting in a drawer. And again, only the first chapter. And I love Nano because, and you can also cheat. I mean, it is for writing a 50,000 word novel and there are places to interact. But you can be a Nano rebel and write different things. But giving yourself a time limit and work work on the creative thing really does help. You were going to say something else?
1: Yeah, I was going to say, actually, Goldspun started as a short story I wrote during Nano one year, uh, where I was being a Nano rebel, and I didn't have an overall idea for a book that I wanted to write, so I gave myself the challenge of writing every a short story for every letter of the alphabet, and each letter would stand for something in mythology or fantasy or fairy tales, because I love that stuff, and I didn't get to all, 30, all 26 letters, but for R, I did write a short story on Rumpelstiltskin flipping the script as far as what it would look like if he was the hero, which initially inspired Goldspun, which is a Rumpelstiltskin retelling.
2: Well, there you go. You never know where Mm -hmm. when you when you think outside the box and outside the head or give yourself a deadline and no possibility of (laughs) editing, you really don't know where your imagination can take you. So, Tom, same question. What stops people and how do you kind of kick them out of that rut?
0: Um, well, I, that exercise that Brandy just mentioned, that's fantastic. Like, I think a lot of things along those lines. I, mean, I think it's truly not a lack of imagination that people have. I think it's a lack of recognizing what is an idea. I think there's a lack of confidence that people have in throwing out ideas that they have that might be something and you know and I'm like look man somebody made Sharknado like that was an idea you know and 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 we all know what that is we've all, you know if you haven't seen the movie but you know what it is like you know every idea is worth something it's really about the execution and I think related to what you know the field that David works in and Brandy you know w- whether it's writing or it's inventing things you know it's recognizing what is an idea like? How many of us are you know living our lives with one little problem that we just live with, and we don't we don't recognize that? Oh, there's an opportunity to fix a problem that probably you're not the only person. You know, like I mean, whether it's something like getting that last bit of toothpaste out out of the tube, you know, and somebody invented a thing that takes care of that for you. And there are, you know, obviously bigger examples, (laughs) like I can't think of any right now, but, um, but, you know, there's everybody has, you know, we all sort of overlap with these problems. And when you can when you can recognize what is an idea, the, the people that I sort of really look to about that are stand up comedians, because stand up comedians look at the world that you and I look at and they just pick things out that are funny that you just never thought of. And they take that little idea and they turn it into a thing that is a, you know, that's a story that we all relate to that, you know, the best stand-up comedy are things that we all recognize. Uh, We just never recognize them as funny. Um, And I think that, you know, imagination is like that. It's, it's, it's having the confidence in an idea and being able to do something with it. Um, You know, I've talked to, you know, I'm, I am in a writing group and the, you know, you talk to writers and i are like, well, I don't have any any good ideas. I just I'm working on this little thing. And, you know, I'm like, and one friend of mine was like, oh, it's about a, you know, a, a girl who builds a dream catcher and she accidentally catches this thing. And I'm like, that's a fantastic idea. What are you talking about? Like, but they don't know. And I'm like that, you know. So, yeah, there it's not a lack of imagination. I think it's just being able to recognize where those ideas are in this in this noise that's inside your head.
2: So getting rid of the clutter and saying, ooh, shiny object idea. Shiny objects aren't just for looking at outside your head. They're in your head. And when you can recognize them and go with it, you're golden. Ha! Gold's fun, golden.
0: <laughs> well, I love the, I these sorry. Ideas. Like those exercises <laughs> are so fantastic because what those exercises do is they help you give organization to the noise, right? Like those ideas are all there in your head and it just, this gives you a framework and a structure to kind of hang them on.
1: Yeah. And they weren't, you know, they weren't even close to the finished piece. Uh, The short story is so different from Goldspun, but it gave me the kernel of an idea that I could then start twisting and warping.
0: Yeah. It's a place to start. You know, I'm working on a novel now and it actually started as two different ideas the things that I've just always kind of thought about. And I was just working through, again, to David's idea, you know, most TV shows, I don't know if people know this from your, in your audience, but most TV shows are written in a room of other writers. It's called a writer's room. And that's the whole point of the writer's room is that ideas like that are better. You pull more out of a group dynamic than you would just a writer going off sitting in a room by themselves writing a script um in particular with comedy because comedy has to work you know in a, in a group like it you know it just you have to get the laughs and so the only way to really do that is if it works in a group then it works and um you know so just me being able to talk to a group and not even necessarily get feedback but just sort of speak out loud and sort of read the room a little bit, I was able to combine a couple of ideas, you know, into a story. And so that's my my new project. I
3: like and, that. and that also works in the context of um, startups, too. That's why incubators have been so popular over the past decade. And, you know, basically, it's like, you're in a room and, you know, every startup gets its own desk and you get to walk over to the next desk and compare notes and brainstorm and whatever, and, and <clears throat> new ideas come out of that. And Tom's point earlier about noise, I mean, I think we're always bombarded with noise at any particular moment. And for me, it's about discernment. How do you discern between noise versus signal? So from an engineering perspective, what is the signal-to-noise ratio? It's like at any particular moment, you know, it's like, I've got all the stuff, you know, coming out of my way. I don't know what's important versus what's not important. How do I prioritize? And, and then from that, pick the things that are really going to be relevant in my life moving forward. And part of that is being aware, awareness and being present, I would say.
2: I agree with you completely because I am, well, the dev method is brainstorming based. It is get all the things that you want out of your head and look at them so you can find the pattern so you can move forward. Uh, The other thing I was going to mention is I have this, I call it the virtual vision board scavenger hunt. And the first step is write down every letter of the alphabet, and put in something you want for each letter, and then go through and and put the pieces together to create this vision of what you want. So I I love the alphabet is a such a great creativity. Um, it's like a jump starter for creativity. The alphabet everybody has an alphabet, easy peasy, but uh, to to Tom's point about not about recognizing, you know, looking at the little things and blowing them up or putting things together, and David's point about discerning what's noise, what's signal, but also what what's drawing you, you know, what is the thing that's going to get you so excited that you want to invest your time and energy into going down that road and creating something. Fun, brilliant, innovative, helpful. So all these different different pieces really work, I think, nicely together, in terms of getting out of your own head and allowing your imagination to just kind of take you for a ride. So as we before we wrap, I think it's really helpful to helpful. Before we wrap, I love to leave our audience with um, goals that are relevant to the topic. So, and we've already mentioned a whole bunch of things. So, what I'd love to do is go back around and I'd like you all to not necess- not only gift a goal for the people who are tuning in, but maybe set a goal for yourself or it could be the same thing to really heighten, really give your imagination a run for its money. And so, David, do you want to start us out?
3: Well, um, I think the goal is to have a goal. And I think a lot of people don't. A lot of people kind of clock in, clock out. They're in these jobs that are kind of okay or they hate, hate their job, hate their boss, whatever it may be. And, you know, that's their life. And they retire and that's it. They die. (laughs) So that's no fun. Um, So I guess I would say really take time and figure out what your goal should be. What is your imagination? Otherwise, you're working for somebody else's imagination and manifesting their dream versus your own. So I would say start out with your own goal in terms of what you want to create. You know, ask yourself, what what are you supposed to do? What are you meant to do? What did God give you? What did the universe give you that is unique to you? Because there's only one you out there. And what are your skills? What are, what are your creative juices? Uh, what are some things you want to work on? What are your deficiencies? What do you need? What are the kind of people or resources would you want, would you need to put that together? And but if you have that goal, if you have that that sense of purpose uh, for yourself, then everything will. Eventually, fall into place. It may not happen overnight; it's, it's it's a process. But as long as you have that clear that that clear goal, and hopefully it becomes clear over the course of time, then I believe at some point you'd find the um, the path to get there. So that's my advice.
2: I, I love it because it's it, it's in complete alignment with my book, whether you realize that or not. Um, and the reason that that I wrote this is to help people embrace change whether, so it's by choice, sometimes it's by circumstance, as we all have been through over the last year and a half, but my book came out six weeks before, before shutdown. And so the intention of the book, I know timing, was to help people look at the life that they want and make a plan to turn it into reality. So I couldn't agree with you more. It starts with looking at your life looking at what you have and what you want and what you can bring to the world and choose the goal. So love the goal, gold stars for your goal about goals. David, thank you. Um, So Tom, what imagination goal would you like to gift our listeners?
0: Um, I would say like, just building off of what David said is, that I think a lot of people kind of wait for that perfect opportunity to start a project, and also, you know, what Brandy said is that you know she's got twenty minutes in there; she's writing, and um, all it takes is five minutes. If you sit down and you do a thing that is towards your goal, if you know, if you want to be an animator, you want to be a writer. If all you have is five minutes in the day, then do it. That those five minutes. And, you know, and you've moved that much further ahead and those five minutes add up. Um, you know, I one of the things in the you know, the writing software that I have, it gives you um, a project goal, like uh, a daily thing. And I, I put in the number of words that I wanted to accomplish by the end of the year and how much I would have to write daily in order to achieve that goal. And it's like one hundred and ninety words. You know that's nothing like you know anyone could do that anyone could sit down and write 190 words in about 10 minutes um and so you know whether it's if you go outside like wherever you go take a sketch pad and a pencil and draw a leaf draw a rock draw you know okay. whatever it is practice is practice you know and and all of that counts um yeah, that's it. It's just always be doing it.
2: I love it. Practice, practice. I think maybe I could draw a rock. <laughs> you could. And and, you know, you're not
0: bored knowing how to draw a rock. You just, you know, you have to practice drawing rocks. Like that's how you do it.
2: I think I'm better off spending my time practicing <laughs> making food. Okay. But I appreciate the, the incentive. But it's true. Little bits of time add up. And people forget that. And I love how you dialed it back to, yeah, 190 words. That's 1,900 words in 10 days. That's almost 6,000 words in a month. You're cooking. Stop stopping yourself. And Brandy, what goal do you have to to gift our audience today?
1: I would challenge people to look at... To look at their goals from different angles to see if anything else shakes loose so even if it's not the way that you think you actually want to pursue something looking at it from a different perspective like if you're writing a story what would it look like if suddenly the you know the hero was the villain and the villain was the hero or you know if you're working on an art project what would it look like if you decide to do it in a completely different medium and these don't have to be the way that you ultimately follow through on it, but it may give you some additional insight into the project by thinking about it in a way you wouldn't necessarily have thought to approach it before.
2: I like it. So take an idea and flip it on its head because you don't know. Excellent. Well, this has been a wonderful, imaginative conversation. On imagination. Now, before we wrap with a final tip, will you please tell people where they can find you? David, where can people find you?
3: Uh, You mean on social media or?
2: Wherever. What is the best way for people to learn more about you and your take on the world, as it were?
3: Um, I don't post that much on social media, but I'm certainly on LinkedIn. Um, Look me up. I'm still listening as living in Shanghai. So you can find me. I'm also associated with AngelVest, my angel group that I founded. I'm also associated with the Harvard Business School alumni angels. Um, so you can find me. And um, I'm also on Instagram and Clubhouse. And, you know, you'll find me around sometimes, but depending on the time of day. So
2: Excellent. Well, I will, in the recap, I will put all of your links, including the link to your LinkedIn. And Aham, um, where can people find you?
0: Uh, I'm on Facebook as Thomas, or Tom Moser, and LinkedIn as Thomas Moser. Pretty easy to find, if you want to look me up. <laughs> I'm on IMDb.
2: Well, that's always fun, Googling people, right? Searching, I, finding. I do it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, isn't it fun when you're watching a show and you're like, that person looks familiar, and then you remember, Oh, I saw them like 10 years ago. It's just like mind blown, right? (laughs) Awesome. Brandy, where can people find you? Uh,
1: So my site is brandyjune.com and that has links with all the social medias that I uh, maintain, which are pretty active. Um, Also Goldspun's available pretty much anywhere books are sold online.
2: Fantastic. So I will put that link in as well. And I'm at the Deb Method everywhere. So you can go to thedebmethod.com slash blog for the recap of this and all of my previous gold chats and also to find the Deb Show podcast version. And you can also find your goal guide at your favorite place to buy books. The link to that is in the, um, the chat as well. So this has been Probably the most logical conversation about imagination ever, which I love about it. Um, what is one final tip you'd like to leave the audience with, David?
3: Well, um, don't be held back by old patterns. Let go. Let go and um, set yourself free. I
2: love it. Don't be held back. Let go and set yourself free. That's so important. What about you, Tom?
0: Uh, Similar, yeah. Just believe in your ideas, you know, like uh, believe in, have confidence in them and know that it, you know, it's all about execution, Uh, but all value, all ideas have value. Sharknado.
2: (laughs) All ideas have value, have confidence. Perfect and brandy final
1: thought for me actually coming up with a structure and a format really allow me to be the most creative which sounds a bit counterintuitive but as i'm very busy, you know i work a full-time job and write. so if i have a set schedule of time that i am setting aside for my creative pursuits for my imaginative pursuits I actually find that I feel more relaxed when I'm working on them and have more ability to just let my imagination wander than if I, you know, don't know that, okay, I'm going to have this amount of time set aside or, you know, I'm going to create an outline first so I don't have to worry about everything that's going to happen. So, you know, I think it's, it's finding the process that works for
2: you. Absolutely. And I'm a huge fan of setting appointments with yourself. And they can be those five minute appointments Tom talked about, or the 20 minutes or the couple hours. But do you have it's know thyself, figure out what works for you and do more of that, which is basically the lesson for anything, you know, to be that self aware, but also value your time as you value everybody else in your lifetime, you know, um, commit to yourself and let your imagination run wild and see where it takes you. And thank you so much, David Chen, Brandy June, and Tom Moser for discussing imagination today with me. Again, I'm Deborah Eckerling. Thank you all for tuning in. And you can catch me for Gold Chat every Sunday night, Gold Chat Live every Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific, and basically everywhere at the Dev Method. And remember. As you're figuring out your goals, as you're getting in touch with your imagination and figuring out your path, just remember you can do it. Thanks for listening to The Dev Show. If you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Need more inspiration and motivation? Connect with me on LinkedIn, follow at The Dev Method on social media, and check out TheDevMethod.com. Best of luck with your goals. And remember, you can do it.
0: This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.